0: Thanks for tuning in to the Lean 911 podcast where you'll have a voice directly from the Gemba. I will rely on my three decades of lean successes as well as my failures to answer your most challenging questions regarding your lean transformation. I'm your host, Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting and the Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. Looking forward to your questions now. Let's go to the Gemba. Hi, I'm Mark DeLuzio. Welcome to the the Lean 911 podcast, where the design of this podcast is to answer your questions that you can't get anywhere else. You might want to think about this as more the tacit knowledge that goes along with all the so many books and manuals that are written on the explicit knowledge. But how do you really do this? How do you really do Lean? So that's what this is going to be about. And over the course of time, You'll be able to send in your questions, and we'll address those questions on this podcast as we go forward. This first episode is going to be on standard work. Why is it standard work? It's probably one of the most misunderstood parts of Lean, in my opinion. Most people don't think it applies. Most people don't think it's needed. Some people think they have to wait for nirvana to get this to start. So there's a lot of misconceptions. I'm not going to go into all the dirty details about standard work because I've got another webinar on YouTube that talks about that more of a training manual, but I want to talk about the common questions that I've been asked over time. I've also solicited these questions from quite a number of people, and these are common questions that come up all the time on standard work. So that's why I chose to pick standard work as the inaugural podcast for Lean 911. So sit back, listen, Hope I'll get your questions answered. If not, at the end of this program, you'll see my email where you can email me and ask me those questions and we'll get those questions committed to get 100% of those questions that come in onto a future podcast. So let me share my, and hopefully this is gonna work, put my little picture up in the corner. Okay, so again, you know, where to turn when your transformation transformations have flatlined? Hopefully I can answer those questions that have been bugging everybody so many times and everybody debates these questions on LinkedIn uh, quite often and many times, in my opinion, there's just wrong directions given to the questions that are asked. So, so let's start. These questions aren't in any particular order. They might be some symbols of order, but not really. So let's go ahead and start with the first question. Okay, first question How do you start in standard work if you've never implemented? What's the first thing that you do? Very simply, get the operators involved and lay out in a one piece flow fashion. The order of operations to put a part together. Whether it's a machining operation, an assembly, whatever it may be, get the order down for one part and ask the operator for their input as to how to do it. Now, the real key here is going to be to make sure that the operator is committed to doing it that way all the time. And what you're going to find in practice is that multiple operators who do the same amount of work or the same work, will most likely do it differently many times. And they'll argue about it. No, that's not how that goes. I put that on first. And I that one, the blue one goes before the red. No, I think the red goes be- So when you do this, get the operative input. First of all, they're going to love the fact that you've asked them for their opinion. Yeah, they may not all agree, but you got to come up with the one best way in terms of order of operations. And I would highly recommend somebody from quality or engineering that is overseeing this process so that you can confirm that they're not compromising the fundamental build of that product, okay? So the first step right now, lay out those operations, get the operators involved, ask them for their opinion. Do not tell them, do not tell them how to do their job. Ask them, how does this job get done if you had to build one at a time, right? As Teashe said, standards should not be forced down from above, but set by the production workers themselves. Let's follow his advice. Operators are your best consultants. I heard that standard work is demeaning to the operators. Is this true? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, not having a standard, not having a prescribed way in which work gets done creates chaos, firefighting, quality problems, delays, And all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got chaos in your operation. And all operators now are doing is responding to fires. It is probably one of the more disrespectful things that a leader could do from the respect that overseeing chaos and rewarding people for putting out fires and causing stress in the workplace. You know, we talk about safety, quality, delivery, and cost in that order. Safety isn't only about workplace safety in terms of the physical aspects of it, it's the emotional aspects as well. If you're stressed every day and coming into chaos every day and your leadership provide no framework for Kaizen, no support, no resources, no training, no time, that's probably one of the biggest signs I see out there today of disrespect. I was with a CEO a couple of weeks ago, And he said, yeah, my people just don't get it, man. They're not improving, and they're making all kinds of mistakes. But they had no processes laid out at all, nothing. And I said to him, well, how do you know they're making a mistake? Well, pretty obvious. I said, well, show me the standard that you're going to hold them to. Is that a standard that's in your mind? Okay, so no, it's not demeaning. Quite frankly, it's the opposite. And when you do standard work, we'll talk about this later, operators get involved. And that's where job satisfaction and engagement come in. And that's where you really get it going, right? So you don't want this chaotic chaotic firefighting environment in your business. Is standard work the same as industrial engineering studies? This is a great one because I've got some pretty notable lean people around the world that contend that it's the same. And it's not. Industrial, now there's real similarities. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, you're taking time studies and doing all that. Traditional industrial engineering is hey, let's just optimize a process and try to take, you know, get as much out of a particular process. That's not what we want. We want to optimize the tech time. And again, I'm not going to get really involved what tech time is at this point because it's not appropriate for this session. Again, my YouTube video on standard work would be one that would be helpful in that regard. But no, standard work. Yeah, we use a stopwatch. We take time observations. We don't factor in fatigue. If you have a fatiguing operation, we want to know about it as a deviation from standard because the process has to be improved. You see what I'm saying? We're not going to allow for abnormalities. And fatigue is not abnormality. Oh, yeah, sure. You should switch out your operators anyway for a lot of different reasons. And that's a subject for another day. But when you've got fatigue, I want to know about the fatigue against the standard. Now I can't continue that standard because of the fatigue factor, for example. So no, we're not going to allow fatigue. Those are the kind of things that industrial engineering, you know, 101 teaches you. And that's not something that we do here. Okay. So the answer to this is no, it's not the same. And you'll get a lot of people argue with you on that. But no, it's not the same. We are a high mix, low-volume business. Standard work only applies to high-volume, low mix businesses, correct? No. How about that for an answer? No. As a matter of fact, the Toyota production system was conceived because it was high mix, low volume. And everybody said, well, no, geez, you know, they make cars. How can that be, you know, high mix, low volume? Well, first of all, they didn't have the resources back in the 50s after the war that, you know, General Motors and Ford and all these people had. They had one press. They had to do changeover. This is where Sigio Oshingo came in. In his book called Non-Stock Production, and the matter of fact, I would recommend all Shingo's books. There's a whole series of them, and if you haven't read those and you want to learn about Lean, read those books. Okay, you'll learn about you'll learn about Lean. But Sigio Shingo is the father of single-minute exchange of die, which is a key thing to bringing down your lot sizes in small lot production so that the closer you can get your production schedule married to your demand schedule, and you're not making large lots of the same type of model, if you will, then you'll lower your inventory, you improve your on-time delivery and your lead times, and everything gets better. More changeovers are better, and I'll talk about that in another podcast, okay? That's kind of a misnomer, like, geez, we want to avoid changeovers. No, if you're doing MRP, EOQ, economic order quantity type of production. Yeah. You, the, the math says avoid changeovers. Not in the Toyota production system. Okay. So even Ono way back when said the Toyota production system is the antithesis of the American style mass production. So absolutely not. If you're a high mix, low volume, the only reason you got problems is because you're not flexible. You haven't learned how to change over. You don't have standard work, so forth and so on. Okay. So So that's a pretty easy one for me to answer, but it's a big, you know, level of confusion out there today. Shouldn't we wait to stabilize our production and fix the problems before we institute standard work? This is a beauty because this happens all the time. Yeah, we got to stabilize first before we can put something in that's going to help us get better. It's like the guy going to the doctor and this is the analogy I use. I can't go to physical therapy until my shoulder gets better. Are you kidding me? Wait a minute. <laughs> it's the physical therapy that's going to get you better. All right? And that's a standard work. Standard work is a tool to help you draw a line in the sand as to the one best way at the time. And I didn't say perfect. It doesn't mean that one best way doesn't have waste in it. But that one best way to produce a product or a service or a document, whatever it is, a repetitive operation, that one best way is what you measure yourself to. And you're not always going to hit that standard. You're going to have issues. You're going to have quality problems. You're going to have all kinds of different issues. Machining problems. Well, I want to know about these problems against that standard. Once I know about these problems, I can prioritize them as future Kaizen events to get those issues out of the way. So absolutely not. And by the way, you've got to ask yourself, and I've asked this question all the time, You've been there for five years, and now you're talking about, well, wait a minute, we got to stabilize first? What have you been doing in the last five years? Why haven't you stabilized already? I'll tell you why you haven't stabilized, simply because you haven't done standard work. And Kaizen, that goes along with it. Right, They go hand in hand. So don't fall for this one. Don't let people delay standard work because they say, we got to get our issues out of the way first. It's just mind-boggling that the logic out there is such, right? So, and by the way, that's probably one of the bigger ones that I get all the time, right? This is a cute one. How often should we do standard work? All the time? How's that for an answer? All the time. It's standard work is a verb, not a noun. It's not something you did. It's something that you do on a daily basis. You work to the standard all the time. And then, at you know, certain amounts of time you take a step back and say, we're going to do a Kaizen now and address the issues that did not allow us to adhere to this one best way. And by the way, the one best way, and I talk about this in my standard work uh, YouTube video, the one best way is actually observed. It's not fabricated, actually observed the part being put together in a certain fashion in a certain time and all that. And it's not like you fabricated this. I think this is the way it should be. No, you've observed an operator You've observed an operator actually putting the part together or doing whatever it is to, you know, to get the product out. So, so no, that one best way is actually observed. Now, everybody, one of the questions I didn't put in here, and I probably just thought about it now, I should have put it in, was uh, do you use the fastest operator? Do you use the slowest operator? No, you ask people to work to a normal work pace, normal. You don't want people knocking their socks off because it's not sustainable. You just want a normal work pace. You don't want people to go crazy. As a matter of fact, I've told operators to slow down. Some people speed up when they get time. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I'll have another operator time, an operator. It's a lot better and less threatening that way. But I've actually asked people to slow down. Say, no, are you going too fast? That's not sustainable. Interesting story, by the way. I'll tell you about that. I was in Arkansas. It was in the summer, hot, you know, muggy, hot. And the production started at 6 a.m. And this one guy, I remember his name was John, a young guy, young kid, about 20, 20 years old. He was lur- working, you know, he was going so fast. And I said, hey, John, you got to slow down, man. You can't you can't keep this pace up. He says, Mark, I'm trying to get my work done because by 11 o'clock in here, it is so hot, I can't work anymore. Wow. Are you kidding me? So what did we do? We actually invested in air conditioning to cool off the plant. That plant got up to 120 degrees. That was Totally disrespectful to the people in that plant, right? Oh, yeah, by the way, everybody in the office had air conditioning, okay? So I made a move out to the shop floor. And all of a sudden, before you know it, they said, wow, it's not a- we need air conditioning, <laughs> okay? So, so, you know, a lot of times when you watch what the operator does, and this is a whole other subject for another day, you'll get good feedback as to what's really going on, okay? But standard work is a verb. You do it all the time. It's not what you did. Not an MBA project that you know, put in a book and to put on a shelf and then present it to your boss when he comes in at every quarter. No, that's not what standard work is. All right, shouldn't we build downtime, part supply issues, quality issues, all these other issues into our standard? Well, first of all, if a standard is supposed to be repeatable, how are you going to do that? Number one, that's the first fundamental question. So the answer is no. Right? How do you predict? Well, you know, geez, last month we had an average of twenty minutes of downtime a day, so we're going to build that in. No, you're not. This standard work is not about documenting your screw-ups. It's about documenting the one best way and then holding yourself to that standard, all right? I had this argument on LinkedIn uh, a while back where people say, well, you know, standard work doesn't apply because if standard work says you, you need, you know, six people in a cell based on the tech time and cycle time calculations, and you have all these issues like quality, you know, whatever, downtime, you're not going to make your production my answer to that is your documentation should say you need six people in that still if you want to run it with 10 knock your socks off but let that delta show that we're operating outside of standard all right do not change your standard work to 10 and show 10 as normal because it's not normal when you have you know quality issues and downtime issues and whatever It's not normal. So by you baking it into the standard, you're saying, I'm accepting this stuff because I want to be able to say I met my standard work. Look, I know you've got to, you know, meet your demand for your customer. I got all that. I've run operations before. I know how it works. I want to know the delta. And if I have a delta, I want to put those in a Pareto diagram and understand the issues. And I'm going to attack each one on that Pareto in the future Kaizans that I do for that area. So, no, you don't document your screw-ups or your, you know, your downtime or anything else. This is not a tool to document so that you feel comfortable. This is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. So, it's absolutely not. We don't do that, all right? I get this all the time. Mark, you're not going to believe our business. Our demand varies so much. We don't really have attack time. Well, guess what? Everybody has attack time, whether or not you like it or not. Okay, everybody has attack time. Everybody's going to pay taxes. Everybody eventually, unfortunately, is going to die. Uh, that, these are given, given facts of life, okay? Every day the sun's going to go down, and every day you have attack time. It's a question of whether or not you identify it or not. So I get this, you know, our business has seasonality. What business do you know that doesn't have seasonality, even... A fast food operation has seasonality during the day, never mind during the week or during the month or during the year. Every business has seasonality. I got that. But what you need to do is go back to what's called hijunker-level scheduling. One of the three things on the foundation of uh, the Toyota production system, one being standard work, hijunker-level scheduling is two, the other one's Kaizen, supported by Just In Time and Judoka as the pillars, All right? So, so you need to, you know, high level scheduling is an actual production control operation. And there's a lot more to high level scheduling. I'm going to talk about it in very general terms right now, but there's a lot more to high level scheduling than MCI in terms of how you do it how you calculate it and how you execute it. But you need to level load. And you think about this, a plant that has different volumes every day, by the time you figure out where you have to put everybody in terms of labor, and get the right materials, the day's over. You can't run efficiently that way. This is why Ono-san thought about Hajunka as a way to level the production schedule over a certain time horizon. And I get asked all the time, well, what is that time horizon, Mark? I don't know. Every business is different. If you're an OEM business and you get firm orders, maybe you do it based on the month. Some have to do it based on the week. Maybe some have to do it based on the day. I mean, McDonald's, fast food chain, has to really do it during the day. I mean, they can't staff. They shouldn't anyway. At lunchtime, the same way they would staff at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The demand's different, right? Everybody has demand differences. I got all that. So, a jungle level scheduling is a key. Think about your home. Every night you have a family of four. You have dinner. Then all of a sudden on Thursday, you've got 20 people coming over for a party. And then you go back to four on Friday. Then Saturday, you've got 12 people coming over. You've got this very, think about how disruptive that would be in your own home. You can't run a plant that way, you have to level load. And then when you level load, you got that consistent demand in which the strike attack time, and then from that basis, you can set your standard work. All right, shouldn't we have operators do a rework in the cell during the workday? Let's see, there's either one or two answers to that, yes or no, and I'm gonna pick no, okay. Again, going back to downtime and going back to quality defects and part supply issues, you don't build abnormalities into your standard. Now, one of the things that my buddy Nakao's son, Chihiro Nakao, was one of my main senseis from Japan. And, you know, Nakao was one of the guys that worked directly for Toyashi Ono, who's the father of the Toyota production system. So right from the horse's mouth, he told me operators should operate. They shouldn't go fetch parts. They shouldn't get tooling they should work within their standard work sequence one of the three elements of standard work you've got your standard work sequence your tech time right and your standard working process those are the three elements of standard work i talk about in my youtube video right the standard work sequence is analysis analogous to a, a racetrack for a race car driver with so nascar formula one you know indy 500 The whole idea is to keep that race car driver on that track as much as possible. We don't have the racetrack driver getting out of his car to fill it with gas and change all the tires. We have a pit crew. These are the indirect labor operators, right, that everybody wants to get rid of. Well, good luck with that. If you want to win the race and getting rid of your pit crew because you want to save a little bit of cost, good luck with that program. It's not going to work. But once I take the operator off the track, he's not doing anything to win the race. And the same thing with rework, that's not built into your standard, and you don't build it into your standard, because it can't be standard. You don't know how much rework you're going to have today, and you don't want to build abnormalities into your standard work. So if I have an operator that's supposed to produce a part every, you know, 15 minutes, and all of a sudden I got, you know, 12 units that day of rework that takes them off of producing those original parts. And I look at the end of the day and I say, well, geez, you know, I bang on the operator's head and say, you didn't do your work today. You didn't get your production out. Yeah, because I had to work on rework. Rework doesn't get done by operators. Okay. We need to quarantine the rework and get it fixed and problem solved quickly so that we put the fire out permanently so it doesn't happen again. I'll bet you any money, if you've got rework in your cells, in your production, it's the same issues all the time because nobody's getting to the root cause. That's been my experience anyway. Yes, the answer is no. You don't do rework at all, and if you do, and this is a problem, by the way, this is a problem with companies that very highly technical products that end up, you know, never get into the production mindset. They're always looking at this as a laboratory, as kind of like a skunk work type of thing, and they don't think about it from a production perspective. No, rework is abnormal. We don't accept rework, and it's an abnormality. A lot of companies just think, oh, that's just the way it is, right? And we're going to have rework. The answer is absolutely not. Why is standard work necessary? Again, I go back to, you know, the people I've talked to who just get into this. What is it that you're changing if you don't have a standard? I said to you, Jesus? I want you to improve that process. What do you, Are you going to improve the process in Charlie's mind, Mary's mind, Bill's mind? All of three of them have three different versions of how this process works. What are you going to change? At least with standard work, when it's documented, and this goes for any process, by the way, I've got it written down. I can at least follow it. And when I don't, you know, when I don't adhere to that standard, I make improvements, Kaizen improvements. So you can't improve something that doesn't exist. Very simple. Very simple. You can't improve something that doesn't exist. And as our friend Tashi Ono said, Where there is no standard, there can be no Kaizen. Translated, there can be no improvement because you've got nothing to change. Now, standard work is such an important concept. Most companies I go into that say, yeah, we're doing lean. Where's your standard work? Well, that doesn't apply to us. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm glad you got nice poster boards on the wall. And I'm glad you got nice banners and yellow lines on the floor. I'm glad you got your Gemba boards as you go around and talk about expediting parts all day because you haven't solved that problem, right? And you ever go on a Gemba, a Gemba walk where, hey, Charlie, when's that machine going to be up? All oh, 3 o'clock today. Okay, great. Yeah, we're going to get the part in this afternoon. Hey, Bill, did this supply get back to you in on, on, the, rubber, on the rubber gaskets? Yeah, we're going to get those first thing in the morning, 7 o'clock. Oh, okay, great. That's a Gemba walk. That's not a Gemba walk. Okay, we'll maybe have that discussion some other day, right? But that's how they work. They're more speedy meetings than anything else, and everybody walks along on these meetings, thinking that they're, you know, they're bought in and they're showing everybody how bought in they are to lean. Meanwhile, they're walking through a sea of chaos, and nothing's getting done. But Nakao said to me, one of the first things he said to me when I first met him in 1987, he said, "If you don't understand standard work, you will never understand the Toyota production system." Standard work, that's why I started out with this as number one, and it's a real key. Okay, so thanks for visiting. I hope this helped answer some of the questions that you have. It probably raised a ton more questions, right? Please email me at mark at lean911.com, and I will make sure that we get answers back to you through this podcast and get those addressed as we go forward. I'm sure there'll be you know, three or four more podcasts like this that has to do with standard work. So thank you very much for the first episode, and I hope to see you on future episodes. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Lean 911 podcast. I'll be happy to address your questions or feedback on future episodes. Email me at mark at 911com You can check out our other episodes by visiting our website at Lean911.com, our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Mark DeLuzio. Thanks for listening.